we chop it up with Jake Crane on today's episode of the Uptempo Podcast. You are now listening to the War Report Podcast Network. What is up, Auburn family? Welcome back to the Uptempo Podcast. Countdown to kickoff episode number four. I'm your host, Dustin Smith, joined as always by the Mobile legend, Blake Lane. You see him right there, our guy, Jake Crane. Jake, talk to the people. How you doing, buddy? Man, I'm doing great. Fall camp, it's here. I know they're still running around in panties, no pads yet, but man, the uh, the air smells sweeter, the sun shining brighter. It's football season, baby. Let's go. Oh, uh, yeah, dude. We're fired up. We cannot wait, man. We cannot wait. Blake, how you doing, brother? I'm hanging in there, man. Just got off of work, uh, coming in here to talk some Auburn football with Jake Crane uh, over from the Daily Wire. I remember when Jake started with the J-Boy show. I was one of the the OG listeners, uh, loved his content. Jake, I loved everything that you started, man. Uh, you were a big influence on me, uh, and and I just uh, I loved everything that you did with, with the Auburn talk, and, and still today how you still show love to the Auburn Tigers on your show. Yeah, well, number one, Blake, I appreciate you saying that, man. Uh, it was very, you know, fortunate uh, coach to the college nine and a half years. And when COVID hit, just uh, did, when they sent us back while we were waiting, just just tried to, you know, make something out of nothing, make uh, lemon, uh, lemonade out of lemons. And uh, just really fortunate, man, loving what we're doing. And, and of course, you know, I'm a show love, man. It, we talk about mm-hmm. everything, but let's be honest. I mean, we're football guys. So that's mm-hmm. what we spend most of our time doing. And, and you know, it's uh, it's all love for the 334, man. Always will be. Love that, Jake. Well, man, let's let's hop right in here to the football talk and, and talking about the Auburn Tigers and head coach Hugh Freeze. Uh, all of the positivity and the hype around the program right now coming off a of big cat weekend, uh, flipping Perry Thompson and Demarcus Riddick, uh, two big time gets, Jake. Uh, I wanted to ask you. We heard before Hugh Freeze was hired at Auburn, you were on your show calling for that hire and saying that Hugh Freeze was the guy to bring Auburn back to the promised land. Man, why were you so positive about Hugh Freeze and why did you think he was the right guy for the job? Well, you know, it's I caught a lot of flack, especially at the beginning, but that's why, look, it's, it's like we say on the show, if I was trying to make everybody happy, I'd sell ice cream for a living. Uh, but it's it's a couple things, you know. It's never just one thing. Uh, one of the one of the biggest things that that stands out is is you know I've had a relationship with with coach and you know I know the man that he really is. Uh, I know the how competitive he really is, and he's one of those guys. He's he's not afraid. Like like Auburn, where they were at, you know, right now is probably the hardest time it's ever been mm-hmm. to be an Auburn fan. Yep. You know, I growing up, I used to hear them talk about you know even my father talk about the Bear Bryant days and things like that when. You know, Alabama was doing what they were doing. Not only do you have that, uh, now Georgia, you know, you look to your left, and, and now Georgia is yeah. on a dominant run. Auburn's two biggest rivals. I think that's the, disputed by anybody. Um, so you needed a guy that would come in and be a fighter. You know, mm-hmm. that, and Coach Dye and Coach Freeze are different. Coach Freeze hasn't coached a game yet. They're different guys. But you wanted a fighter in here that wasn't afraid, that, that wasn't that, – that was willing – It's it's not that you're scared to go out there and play them. It's that are you willing to put in the work to bleed and sweat and do all the things that it takes? Because that's what they're doing in Athens and in Tuscaloosa. They want they outwork you. They have a better system and they outwork you. So you needed a guy to come in that wasn't afraid to try and build that monster a little bit. And he's done it before. I mean, if you look at Hugh Freeze, 
the man's won everywhere he's went. Mm. His downfall was self-inflicted. I yep. mean, got beat. You know, he's beaten Bama, beat him with Bo Wallace. He's he's beaten Kirby. I think he's one to zero against Kirby. Now that was a different, you know, kind of scenario than what George is right now. But then you have a place like Auburn that you know you can win, that they eat, sleep, breathe, live and die by. It's a representative. I said this on the show this morning. Auburn football is a representation of the people that that are not only from Auburn but are Auburn fans, and that that's how you feel. That's why you get that emotion mm-hmm. when you watch that team is because they're a representative of you. Mm-hmm. Mix that with a guy who had been to the, the highest levels and had success, and he and saw his professional career flash before his eyes. He was already hungry, but now he's starving. You know, my my, my I talked about Brian Harson. I'll always give guys benefit of the doubt. I know how hard it is at that level to be able to go in and, and try and do it. But at the end of the day, Brian Harson was a house cat. He wanted his milk brought to him. Mm-hmm. I thought Blaine, you know, my, one of the co-hosts on the show said it best. Hugh Freeze out here with a bow and arrow in the jungle, trying to knowing he has to kill yeah. to be able to eat. And that's what he's out there doing right now. He's hunting, nose to the ground, ear to the ground, listening for hoofbeats. He is out here mm-hmm. hunting, and he's killing his own dinner. Now, there's a long way to go, but when you mix the, the climate that Auburn has the facilities, the NIL, the want to. And when Auburn aligns, when everybody gets together, you can build the mega ranger at Auburn. Now you add that with a coach that's hungry, that's not afraid, and knows how to do it. Well, you're starting to see the to that a little bit. Go watch what happens. They go out and go eight and four. Go eight and four and watch what happens. Or maybe even better. I don't you never know. Uh, especially in year one coaches at Auburn. But you got a guy that wants to hunt, that's willing to hunt, and he knows where the prey's at. And at the end of the day, you know, it, it, he's not afraid. And I think it's I think it's a great fit. I thought it'd be a great fit then. I think it's a great fit now, and I stand by what I said. Mm. Love that. 100%. Jake, when you talk about these guys hunting, Hugh might be leading the pack, but he's hunting with a pack. He's got guys behind him like Zach Etheridge, like Josh Aldridge, these guys that are really hitting the trail, man. We know what Cadillac yeah. does. He identifies a running back. He goes and gets his guy. Uh, just speak to the work this staff is doing, the staff that Hugh put together, the work that they're doing behind the scenes, getting these guys on the recruiting trail. Yeah, well, I mean, when, when you watch uh, lions or, or animals having to take down a bigger <laughs> animal, they hunt in packs. It's not one-on-one. They get you from every angle. They wear you out, and then they take you out. Uh, and I, you can't, I mean, you can't say enough about what the staff has done. You can tell the staff likes each other. I've been on staffs that have liked each other. I've been mm. on staffs that haven't liked each other. And it's one thing to like each other, but it's another thing to have guys that can go out there and get the job done. The guys that can go out there and you feel confident in that coach walking in the living room and you being the closer. I'll walk in there when I need to walk in there. I'll, I'll Don Corleone pet the cat in front of everybody when I need to pet the cat in front of everybody. And that's what he's got. I mean, Zach, you can go through the whole whole list. Aldridge, what Trevon Reed's doing, what Caddy's doing. It's a group effort, and you've got a lot of guys that understand Auburn, too. And I think that's one of the best decisions that Hugh Freeze made is bringing in guys, not just that played at Auburn, but you have to be able to have guys when you're a, when you're a new head coach going into an environment that you know about but you don't really know, know about, you have to have guys that can go in there and say, coach, listen, we don't, we need to, it'd be smarter if we did it like this, or this is, this, this would fit better with where we're at. And I think he has a great blend of older coaches. You look at the coordinators, mm-hmm. younger coaches. Uh, and, and that, again, you don't want a staff full of just old guys. You don't want a staff full of just young guys, but it, it seems they're really gelling well. Now, listen, the bullets haven't started flying yet, right? Uh, they're going to start mm-hmm. flying here pretty soon. But, again, I, I think 
going through it and building up to that point, I mean, this staff has, has gelled about as good as you possibly can. Jake, can uh, I just want to? I just want to ask you this: We almost saw Lane Kiffin take this job, uh, and and right at the last second, he backed out, stayed at Ole Miss, and we get Hugh Freeze. Do you think Lane Kiffin would have been able to recruit like this this quickly at Auburn? Um, no, no, I, I don't think Lane would have been able to do everything that done i think you'd have gotten a a huge nil push which is a big deal having lane kiffin i mean you look at all the pr you look at all the pub lane's kind of that new wave of young coach that embraces social media right that that understands how you look at shane beam you look at some of these other guys uh that marcus freeman that 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 used it as now hugh i think has done a really good job and and i know he's kind of dances around social media a little bit with everything that's happened he's got to be smart he's got to pick and choose his battles I think Lane would, would be doing well because I think Auburn sells Auburn and Lane Kiffin we know is, is a guy that's very attractive, but Lane as a recruiter isn't as invested as what Hugh Freeze is in my, and, and anybody that's coached for him will tell you that. Um, it's a little bit of that NFL background, I think in him um, where, you know, the players are drafted or are there signed as free agents? You know, you're really not kind of recruit guys a little bit, but, but it's, it's a totally different animal. I think Lane would be having success. But, I mean, guys, we're seeing stuff we've never seen before. I mean, yeah. flipping fl- flipping not only players from Alabama and Georgia, but guys they really wanted. Mm-hmm. This wasn't some, some kid that was falling down the board that they kind of said, oh, well, you know, we'll put you in the basket and send you down the river. We'll, we'll take this quote-unquote L. Perry Thompson's one of the highest-ranked recruits Alabama has from Foley. From Foley. Auburn just doesn't walk down to Mobile and grab guys like that that are going to Bama. It's, it doesn't work like that. And then taking a kid from Georgia, especially on defense, when you're looking up and all you see in the NFL is guys from Georgia, uh, especially on the defensive side. So, um, no, nah, I, I, I think, again, we are we are seeing what happens when want to meets capability. And I think that's what you're getting with you, Freeze. Mm. I love that. Jake, in our lifetime, man, we've seen Auburn pop. 2010, 2004, 2013, sniffed it a little bit in 2017. What we haven't done, man, is be consistent. Why is Hugh Freeze the guy to get us to a consistent level where even in the down years when guys get hurt and maybe we lose a couple games we shouldn't have lost, where the basement is eight and four, nine and three, not the average like it has been under previous regimes? Well, I, I think it's because he's able he's able to evolve as the game evolves. Mm. I mean, what, what cost Gus Malzahn? Right. I mean, you wrote a mm. book on the hurry up, no huddle. You know, I'm on the tempo podcast. You might as well hit it. <laughs> yeah. You got slower every year in the SEC. Yeah. You, sure. you you built up you built up your name and your system off running the ball and and doing get you know get back up to the line. You know, there's some some misdirection. People call it gadget plays or gimmicks. That's because they don't understand what football is. It's a game of eyes. You lose your eyes, you lose the guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But you couldn't sign and develop high school offensive linemen. But it, I think when you look at, at the, the greatest offensive minds right now that, that we have in the game, not just in college, but in the NFL, the game always changes, right? We see this in every sport. Uh, guys, guys, defenses catch up. They, they adjust. They close the gap. The rules change. Uh, the style of player in high school changes a little bit. The one thing that doesn't change is your ass better be good up front or they're going to be changing head coaches. <laughs> uh, but being able to evolve, you know, but still having an identity, still that three-man surface method, the RPO style, but being able to – life is a game of adjustments. Football is your adjustment 
to the adjustment. You, we see it in baseball all the time. Oh, well, guy's got three pitches. You know, you better be able to adjust. Well, by the time he's two, two three years in the league, they, they, the book's out on you, right? Okay. You've got to be able to adjust. Pitchers in Major League Baseball, they come in in that first, first three or four starts, and you're like, oh, my God, we have the greatest pitcher of all time. Well, then all of a sudden, uh, they catch up to what he's doing. He gets knocked around for the next 15 games, so you have to adjust to the adjustment. So I think evolution is the one thing, because there's a saying I've had since the J-Boy show, Blake, and you've heard me say this. Hmm. If you're not evolving, you're dissolving. Yep. Yeah, and uh, good stuff right there, Jake. Uh, and and we're excited about Coach Hugh Freeze. Uh, one thing I, I wanted to ask you is – Hugh went and got a quarterback in Peyton Thorne, right? And and Robbie, we know what he went through last year and with the shoulder and, and being beat up and everything. Uh, do you think the guy who starts in week one uh, finishes, the, finishes the year as the starting quarterback? And who do you think will be the starting quarterback? Uh, well, you know, when, when you think about that question, uh, obviously you got to think about injury. Yeah, right? take Are injury out of it. Just say that yeah, everybody's take, healthy. Take in- out of it yes and here's here's why uh you brought in Peyton Thorne obviously to to add some depth to that room to add some experience I mean just look at the way the stats in that room jumped up when Peyton Thorne got added right uh coach's son has played at a very high level playing in the Big Ten which has been in my opinion the second best conference even though I think the Pac-12 believe it or not as as fast as that ship's sinking maybe Hmm. the best second best conference in the country uh this year and typically, you don't sign transfer portal guys or JUCO guys to sit. That, yep. that's, not, that's not really what you do. Uh, but in this system, and, and I've said this, I, it's the opposite ends of the coin for Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford, right? And it all goes back to the system, right? You, mm-hmm. You're only as good. The food's only going to be as good as the ingredients you're cooking with. So mm-hmm. you don't want to put a square peg in a round hole. We're not talking about lining up under center and getting in the eye, getting in 12 personnel, and sitting here and running uh, gap and counter and power and all that ISO. Now, we're not talking about that. We're talking about an RPO-based system where you get your 10, you get your 11. You'll get some 12 in exotic formations. Uh, it just depends on kind of what you have. But on one side of the coin, can Peyton Thorne run well enough to be mm-hmm. able to have defenses respect that in the RPO game, right? Mm-hmm. All the RPO is is the triple option with the pass built into it from the shotgun. That's all it is, right? You can do more things on the outside, triple option or wing tee, whatever, whatever you want to call it. You do more things on the inside. Uh, the other end of the coin, can Robbie Ashford throw it well enough to be able to have defenses to respect that? Because, again, balance keeps you on the beam, right? You never want to be one-dimensional. If Robbie Ashford can throw the ball like he did against Alabama, to me he's the best quarterback on Auburn's roster because he, he is the best, one of the top five running quarterbacks in the country, right? As a defensive guy, you know, and look, I'm – I. And I know we're going to get to Auburn and where we're from and stuff like this. I'm an Auburn fan. We're all fans of somebody. But but I take bias out of it. I've seen how the sausage is made, and Auburn hasn't sent me a check yet. But I guarantee you I would much rather line up against Peyton Thorne at full efficiency than Robbie Ashford at full efficiency. Mm. Because I will go to I will try to go to sleep at night, the, the night before the game, <laughs> hoping to God that he does not take off and go for 75 and score. Because he can, right? I can, I can drop eight. I can do things to keep you in front of me. I can run cover three, right? I can play it safe, bend but don't break, whatever you want to call it. Robbie Ashford breaks that second level. He's gone so the clown. There isn't a whole lot of, of, of defenses built to be able to stop a guy that can run like that. So 
That's a big question with Robbie. We've seen him have touch, right? I, I do think he can make all the throws, but he has to show it efficiently. I do think Peyton's going to win the job. I think he runs well enough to make you ha to have to respect it, to be able to manipulate what you need to manipulate. But Robbie Ashford, I think, as long as he doesn't lose his mind and get pissed off or something like that, whatever, and pitch a fit, I think you're going to see him on third and fourth and shorts a lot. I think he's probably going to be out there for 15 to maybe 25 snaps a game. Wow. You're going to see him in the red zone. You're going to see him in gadget plays. That's a weapon you need to be able to use. And Hugh Freeze and Phil Montgomery and all these guys are versatile enough. And Robbie throws it well enough. Where's that wildcat? That's not what it is. It's like on punt. When they would have, you had some guys, believe it or not, that would have backup quarterbacks that may be more runners than throwers as the personal protector on punt. That scared me to death mm -hmm. as a special teams guy. Because mm -hmm. you snap it to him, he could run it or throw it. I've got to defend everything. So putting defenses in pressure situations with guys that do different things well but can do all things, I, I think Robbie's going to be a big part of this offense if he doesn't win the job. Uh, no matter who the quarterback is, Jake, it's going to be about running the football to help him out, right? Yeah. Something we just haven't been able to do in the past. Me and Blake talk about it, and everyone knows, man, especially on first and second down. That's, to me, like, that's where the whole problem has been on offense is a yard on first down, then you get your penalty, and now you're in second and 14 or whatever the case may be. You're just behind the chains from the get-go. We have a lot of faith in Jarquez Hunter. We feel like we've improved the offensive line, right? This guy's still got to jail together. But we know Jarquez is going to lead the team in rushing. The interesting question that me and Blake have kind of formed over the summer is, who's second? Is it Damari? If if Robbie Ashford gets 15 to 25 snaps a game like you just said, I would say it's Robbie Ashford that would be second in rushing then. A guy like Brian Batie obviously had a big gear uh, last year. He's coming in the mix. Who do you think is second behind Jarquez in rushing yards this year? Um, You know, I, I think it'll be close probably between Robbie and Damari. Um, to say, I, I don't think there's going to be some huge gap in between the second lead, leading rusher. I think Batie is going to be more of your speed sweep, now screen, bubble screen, return game guy. Similar to uh, not as much volume as Ontario Michaela, but mm -hmm. used in a, a similar role. Be, uh, because what he does on the perimeter in the run game just stretches you so thin, and then he is flexible hips to be able to cut it back. That was Sean Shivers' kind of biggest problem, right? Sean Shivers' straight line speed. I mean, he's out there running against Jamaica and having a chance in, in the Olympics. But you make him <laughs> cut back, then, then you're in trouble, right? It's it's you know it's like a boy from Mighty Ducks that could skate really fast, but he couldn't stop. Like it does it doesn't matter <laughs> if you can't turn. Um, you know, Jar I think Jarquez, and, and that's what your question. I think Jarquez is a more versatile back than what Tank is, and Tank's a great I would, yeah, player. I would Tank's agree with an you. NFL running back, but Jarquez to me, I think can hit the home run, right? Yeah, Tank. His long runs were, what, 35, 45 yards, had alien vision. I mean, mm. he's seeing in 3D. It's like interstellar every time he got the ball. He's just seeing colors and cubes and stuff like this. He's like, cutting back and things like that, which you never do. But when he felt like a guy was overplaying and he was right 90% of the time, you let him eat. But Jarquez does everything. He's powerful. He can cut. He can hit the home run. He can catch the ball. Uh, he's physical. He can pa His pass protection's gotten a lot better. Um, but I would say I would probably give the slight edge to Damari because I think he's mm. going to get more volume. You talk about up front. I don't know if there's been a bigger upgrade anywhere on Auburn's roster than the offensive line. Now, I don't know if that's saying that much because they were basically paper mache last year, uh, mostly, and, and you know while, while they had Harston. And those guys fought. I'm not trying to knock those guys. I don't think they were soft. I just don't think they were good. Uh, there's, you know, that, that's a real thing. But you look at the guys he's brought in. I, 
I mean, that is where you want to bridge the gap, right? You want to get there. How do these other teams rise up? They didn't do it with just wide receivers. They didn't do it with just corners. They did it with offensive linemen and defensive linemen that could line up. And you know they're running it. I know they're running it. God knows they're running it. And it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, this game, I don't care what system you run. If it's air raid, if it's triple option, if it's something we haven't even thought of yet, if you're not good enough up front, it's not going to work at a high level. Bringing in Avery Jones, bringing in the guys from Tulsa, bringing in the kid from Western Kentucky. You just got a big commitment from the Northwestern kid who I think is going to end up being a really good player. Mm -hmm. You know, you go back and watch his tape. He really, Dylan Senza does some really good things. But they're still building that depth, right? Uh, And now, I mean, you look at some of the offensive linemen Auburn's in on, Drake Carter, are you kidding me? How do you feel on that one? That's what they look like. You want to know what they look like? The Georgias and the Alabamas and the LSUs and the Michigans and the Ohio States. That's what they look like. So it's a good mixture of being a new guy that uses the transfer portal to plug the leaps in the ship. You don't want to build the ship out of the transfer portal while you're getting that high school talent that you can develop because it's about depth. Common misconceptions a lot of fans fall for is, oh, it's our starting five. Look how good our starting five is. Well, that's great. All right. It's about your first seven, your first eight, because football is a battle of attrition. Same thing on the defensive line. It's not about you're starting four. If you're three down, you're starting three. It's about do you have five, six, seven guys all out there that can be effective, that can rush the passer, that can, that can you know, spill pullers, box pullers, that are physical, be able to take on and beat double teams or at least stalemate double teams inside so those linebackers can see those windows and go eat and they have space and they don't feel like they're, you know, caught in a Rubik's Cube. So uh, I think that's probably been the biggest place he's upgraded. Auburn isn't there yet, but they're a whole hell of a lot in, in a better spot than they were uh, last couple of years. That's really, I mean, last four or five years mm-hmm. in my opinion. You mentioned mm-hmm. Carter, Jake. How are you feeling on that one? You think we bring him home? Look, right, I'm not doubting this staff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not doubting them. Uh, it, it seems like it, it doesn't matter uh, where they're from. Uh, they're legitimately <laughs> in on them. I think that comes down to being genuine, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, in recruiting, NIL money talks. Okay, let's, mm-hmm. let's not play. Okay, money talks. Uh, in every profession, in every walk of life. But where you're at, Auburn's in a great place in the Southeastern Conference. It sells itself. Auburn sells itself. But, you know, this staff has an uncanny ability, I think, to really connect with people. Because when you're going into a living room and you're asking whether it's the mom and the daddy or just the mom or just the daddy or the grandma or the auntie or the uncle or the brother, whoever it is, that's their most pro- when they're, their most prized possession. Like you're, you're, you, that is a huge deal. And, and to be able to, to talk somebody in, for, especially going from one end of the country to the other, yeah, you know, twice, for, yeah. for four years, three, four years, they got to really feel, take care of them that you care about them more than just how good they can down block or how good they can skip pull or, or mm-hmm. how flexible they are on their ankles or how good they can pass set. So I, I, I'm not doubting the staff, man. I think because they're genuine people. That, that's the difference. That's what people don't understand about Kirby and Saban and them. Like they think that it's rah, 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 you know, crazy people just running around screaming at everybody, including the maid. Well, yeah, they'll get after you when they need to get after you. But there's a genuineness to them that they can they can make you feel like you really care about the person. So I, I think this staff has that. So, yeah, I'm not going to count them out. I mean, T.J. Lindsay, another guy I think they're about to get. Yeah. It just, look, it's a, I, if you're an Auburn fan right now, I mean, you got to feel like a Disney princess. I mean, just animated <laughs> birds are landing on your shoulder. It's like a real sound of music situation. You're just dancing in the Alps right now, you know, singing the Creed. I don't know. Uh, Jake, uh, I wanted to ask you, man, um, 
this uh, this Auburn defense last year, they couldn't get off the field on third downs. They couldn't uh, create turnovers. Uh, it, it was uh, the, the the yards per rush last year was atrocious. Uh, you know, they just couldn't do anything right. Honestly, uh, do you think Ron Roberts can change that in year one? And and what kind of defense is he going to play? Well, look, Ron Roberts is a guy that's been around the block. Uh, he knows how to put his personnel. Uh, not only ones they've inherited, but but the guys they've brought in. He knows how to put him in the right position. Do, do I think this is going to be a dominant Auburn defense like like we've seen before in the past? No. But I love what they have in the back end. Uh, I think there's some talent at linebacker. Uh, the depth at linebacker worries me. That, that It's going to come down to can they rush the passer or not. That's yep. what it's going to be. You want to get your ass off the field on third down, be able to get after the quarterback. Uh, you, know, you get guys in the third and seven, third and eight. Uh, that's how you create turnovers. As a DB coach, my, my best friend was the D-line coach in the D-line. Y'all can – there's a whole – D-line can make DBs look really good. It's for DBs to make D-linemen look good. It typically doesn't work like that. So he's going to put them in the best position. They don't have to be the steel curtain because I think this offense is going to be effective. They just have to be a good defense. A When you are moving the ball, holding people to field goals, you know, you, you just can't go out there and get ran through like a finish line consistently because that affects the offense. They're all human beings and vice versa. So I think if the defense can just be good enough that I, the fault kid, I'm ready to see him. I, I'm ready to let them see him, you know, get out there and go eat. Because that's, again, you want to know what they look like? They look like. Um, but, yeah, I think there may be some growing pains. There's going to have to be some games where, where they outscore some people. But I think Ron Roberts is going to put them in position to make enough plays to be effective. Jake, you mentioned Keldrick Falk, and, and by the way, we want your little brother to jump in the boat too. We want little, we want our little Falk to, to come on board, and it seems like he's pretty close yeah, to making that. the next one, and then <laughs> Yeah, however many, dude, like, just like the Hood boys. Because I hear, I hear that Colton Hood has been tearing it up um, in the summer workouts. Very athletic kid. But you mentioned Keldrick, man, and this has been everybody who, who you know, is paying attention. Biggest concern is pass rush, right? It's just, it seems like we've just kind of tried to piece this together in the offseason. Um, let's all three give our predictions on who we think is going to lead the team in sacks. Blake already knows who I'm going to say is Keldrick Falk. I think that Jake, I said, I think he has a slow start to the season just because he's a freshman in the SEC. I think maybe that A&M game is kind of a, a rough go for him, you know, just that first one. Maybe Georgia, LSU, he kind of struggles. But I really think that by the end of the season, I think he's that dude, man. I think he's a guy that's going to play in the NFL. And I think five or six games in, he really kind of starts to take over and become that main guy on the defensive line. So my prediction is I think Keldrick has seven, eight sacks and has a solid freshman season. Blake, say what you say you, and then Jake, give us your answer. Uh, yeah, I went with Jalen McLeod a couple of uh, episodes ago. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so I, I think he's going to do well this year. Man, here's where having a good offensive line helps guys grow up quicker, right? It's it's iron sharpens mm. iron. You know, you, you look around the country and say, man, how do these young guys at, at these big-time places, how are they able to just come in and, and play? Well, guess what? The hardest guy they go against is every day in practice, mm-hmm. right? You, you, make, you put them in those situations – they're not shocked when you go out there and they're so monster from Texas A&M that they got off seven foot Island. That's out there. You know, it doesn't, doesn't shock them because that's the outside of quarterback. That's the hardest transition. It's the, it's the line of scrimmage because typically kids, even they can, you can lift all these weights and do things and be strong, but you, you don't have that old man strength yet. Right. You don't have that year three in the SEC strength yet or know the tricks of the trade. It's not just about going in there and headbutting and bull rushing your way through things like you're able to do in high school. I'll say this. I'll give you a name y'all haven't said. I like Marcus Harris. Oh, yeah. And mm. I like his versatility. 
I think him as a pass rusher on the interior can cause a lot of problems. And look, if the guy's on the edge, the McLeod kid coming in was huge, huge experience, plays with his hands. He's got enough, you know, more moves than somebody on Mortal Kombat. Falk, <laughs> I think, is going to get into it as you guys, as you alluded to, Dustin, kind of as the year goes on. Not that he'll be nervous, but you you are kind of feeling it's like going on a first date, right? You know, do I lean in and do do I do I give her the kiss, right? Do I put my arm around her in the movies? You're feeling you're feeling your way out. You're not just going in there and just you know trying to plant one on her the minute you go to the door. She answers the door, uh, but but he's so talented. Once he gets that in-game confidence, because there's a lot of different like, practice again. Like you make practice more important than the game. The game's a whole heck of a lot easier. That in-game experience, that in-game confidence, that's a different animal. But Marcus Harris, his versatility to be able to move inside and outside. If the guys on the outside are effective and he's getting one-on-one with interior guys in the pass rush game, I think Marcus Harris could have a big, big year. Mm. Mm. I definitely think he leads. I definitely think he leads the team in tackles for loss. Uh, yeah, so that's a good pick there, Jake. Um, he actually just posted the video on Twitter today. I don't know if you saw it of his highlights. It's just him blowing up runs. So big year for Marcus, and we're happy to have his brother Malik Blockton going to come in. The kid's a stud, man. A very good family, very good uh, kids. Um, Jake, two teams that have turned it around. Tennessee, and we saw Tennessee was in the death pit for years, right? South Carolina. I'm a big Shane Beamer guy. Um, I think he's got that thing going. FSU, Mike Norvell. Which uh, took him a little bit longer. I think it's three different teams in South Carolina, kind of not as comparable to, to um, Tennessee and Florida State right there. But of those three that are programs that were down and are headed in the right direction, which one of those do you think Auburn compares best to? Do you think it's kind of a three-year situation like Mike Norvell where we need to tamper our expectations here? Or do you think it's a Tennessee where we can win seven, eight games and then that second year really make some noise? Because that schedule next year looks pretty nice, doesn't it? I, I would say Tennessee, and look, Tennessee's got to prove it that they can, they can, yeah, they can continue that success. I'm not 100% sold on Joe Milton, like apparently everybody in the world. Is. You know what? Just real quick, you know what blows my mind about Joe Milton, and I hope he goes out and balls. I've got no, I, I, a good Tennessee is good for college football. They're, they are so passionate. I yeah. can always respect that. Having coached against them up there, that place is absolutely nuts. But why is everybody all of a sudden surprised? Like Joe Milton has a strong arm. <laughs> like, like, like we just figured that out. Like it's some. Like, have y'all noticed that? I was like, oh my god, you guys, Joe Milton's gonna ball out because he's got a really strong arm. Well, he must have. There must have been some Pokemon style evolution in strength from when he won the job at. at again, uh, you know, you you go back and won the job at Tennessee. He's got a strong arm. Can he throw the change up? That's the question. That's mm-hmm. what it comes down to. So that's a story for another day. But Tennessee's got to show they can play at that high level for another year because it's not just a one-off. South Carolina, hot at the end of the year, but they're not very good up front. I'm big on Shane Beamer, and he's building it. Yes, he right? I, I believe in Shane Beamer in the long term. Yeah. But up front on both sides of the ball, South Carolina's in some trouble. I'm t- That game against North Carolina may be 60-57. to 57. Yeah. I mean, similar to what we saw in North Carolina App State, believe it or not. Ugh. But I think the Auburn is more toward – if we're talking about – Getting Auburn to where you're winning nine, ten games, and all of a sudden more than that, you know, consistently, that's going to take some time because you're in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Florida State's in the ACC, right? It's almost non-comparable. Not that it's easy. Nobody's saying it's easy. But to be able to build the depth mm-hmm. up front, to be able to do that, to go through that battle of attrition of an SEC season, to win 10, nine, ten consistently, it's going to take three cycles even with the transfer portal. So that's why I tell Auburn, Auburn fans, listen, and, and I was talking to about Florida fans, talking to this with Billy Napier. 
patients aren't just for doctors and therapists. You know, fan is short for fanatical. And when you've had success, right, Auburn fans know what it's like. Like, you went till 1957 to 2010, <laughs> they know what it's like to win the national There's generations uh. that didn't know what it's like to win a national championship. We've been fortunate, right? We've seen yep. Auburn win a national championship and play for another one. And so we, we've seen it. And 2017, play for the SEC championship. Once you sit from that cup, you don't want to go back, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like if you grew up poor and you went over to like some rich kid's house, man, after the weekend, you just want to stay over there, right? Yeah. You don't want to go back. <laughs> like, you go, damn, there's holes in the floor, right? We're eating Swiss cheese <laughs> sandwiches for dinner. I'm going over here, they got a, some British dude that answers the door every time I knock on it and dress up in some suit. Like that, it's... It, and that takes time, right? It, it's going to take time. Look at look, here's a great example. Look at Dabo Sweeney and Clemson, right? Mm-hmm. Clemson almost fired him, almost did, but they gave him another year, and look what happened. Now that's not going to happen every time, but right. it's to, to win the way Auburn fans want to win. It's going to take three great recruiting cycles of depth, especially up front. Mm. Jake, uh, I, I saw where you kind of before fall camp, you said that Auburn had a possibility to finish third in the West. Uh, and and I know you you got back to Daryl and you said, hey, look, let's let's wait till after fall camp and then I'll make my uh, my my final predictions, man. What would it take for Auburn to get to that point? Uh, and, and what kind of year could you see them having if they do finish third in the West? Yeah, yeah well, shout out, Daryl. Uh, and we were talking about because I, I, you know, let off the show one day. Um, so I do a, a monologue starting off every show about how I, Auburn and Alabama having similar records isn't the craziest thing to think of mm-hmm. this year when you look at the situation both teams are in. Off the cuff, you think, oh, my God, it's like the Joker. It's like he's lost their minds. Like he just like he's going, <laughs> no, but you really think about it. Like it's not that crazy. Like for one to go nine, Bama to possibly go nine and three, Auburn possibly go eight and four, somewhere around there. Uh, look, during the season, a lot of things, Right, right. You look at you mm-hmm. got to catch a lot of breaks, and catching catching breaks isn't just oh recovering that fumble that you had that would have been big that would have turned the game. It's staying healthy, right? It's mm-hmm. it's it's the schedule. It's winter your bye weeks, things like that. And, and you look Auburn's non conference schedule. They shouldn't lose shouldn't lose a game on the non conference schedule. Cal, we're not going over to Cal to to take you know compete against them in math or whatever. And that's you know I'm not trying to knock Cal's a story program. But this isn't rowing. Like we should go over there and handle business. UMass, I mean, any team with the word ass in it, I just don't trust. <laughs> and they haven't been very good lately. Uh, and and then, you know, no disrespect to, to Sanford and some of the other teams, but Auburn should sweep the non-conference. Mm-hmm. All right, you get Bama and Georgia at home. Get, I don't, it's gonna be very tough for Auburn to beat Georgia. But Auburn and Bama, with the situation going on, it's it smells funny. Year one, we all know there's a pet cemetery or Indian burial ground under Jordan Hare somewhere. Crazy things happen. You able to split one of those? You you beat the Mississippi schools and able to win one on the road at Arkansas A&M? Man, it's not. This isn't some crazy formula that's got that's got to happen. And and it's year one. Phil Montgomery is the OC. Hugh Freeze coming. You could sneak people a little bit. Nobody's really expecting Auburn to do that much. It's not the typical, hey, it's Auburn. You better get ready, buckle up, strap in, whatever cliche you want to use. Uh, so, so multiple things have to happen, but but it's not outside of the it's not outside of the possibility by far. Mm. Absolutely. 
So Jake, let's take your let's take your analyst. Let's take your just just put take your analyst hat off for a second. Just Jake Crane, the Auburn fan here. Okay. <laughs> what do you want as far as the future of the SEC schedule? Because we know what it's going to be in 24, but what we've heard is that was just patchwork, right? And now coming out of media days, it kind of seems like eventually we'll end up at nine games. Just what do you think just is the, the best situation for Auburn? What do you want to see for Auburn going forward? Because honestly, I want to keep the deep south Elvis rivalry. I, obviously, you keep the Iron Bowl, but I don't give a damn if we drop LSU, dude. I'm not trying to go 20 more years of drought in Baton Rouge or whatever the hell that was. And if you're already playing Georgia and Bama, do you really need LSU on that schedule? No, we need Vandy. I want right. to if I'm if I'm if I'm the Auburn brass, the people in this, we y'all Bama and Georgia every year. I get it, right? We need to do that. That's one yeah. of the best things about Auburn is Auburn isn't afraid of either yeah. one of those schools. Yeah, but right. on that return, I want Vandy. I want to guarantee Vandy. And I like what Clark Lee's doing up there, right? He's but but it's Vanderbilt. Let's be honest. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's all look each other in the eyes and, and play a game of let's be honest. Homecoming, okay? Jake. Our home there, where are their homecoming? Yeah, man. I think <laughs> sometimes we over I think sometimes it's kind of overblown. Like it's such a high school thing, you know, like and I know back in the day, yeah, homecoming. I mean, it used to be Georgia Tech, right? Like homecoming used to be like a big game. Like it's mm-hmm. so it's it's gone back and forth. But you Got to give us Bama and Georgia. Okay, well, we want Vandy, all right? And we we need that. I'm going to need that, right? I'm going to need that. Uh, Jake, wrapping things up, man, and and uh, we wanted to go, you know, off of the media side and everything, and, and we wanted to sit down with you and just ask you, you what does what does Auburn mean to you uh growing up in that area and everything that your dad did for the program being the all-american that he was uh and and what was it like just uh coming up uh and and I, I saw you make a tweet the other day saying that uh you were out in your yard uh, on Saturday mornings and you could just hear the band playing and everything and uh what was that like man um well you know first off obviously when when I'm analyzing stuff I I again you know, when you when you see how the sausage is made, it just it kind of changes you. But there's always that that little little kid in you, right? That that fan in you, um, and that's what makes it great, though. That that's what makes it, you know, the the emotions that that we feel while watching the games. I, I still get those. Now I'm looking at it different, you know, because I'm sitting here looking at all right, see what formation they're in. Let's see, I'm going through it, you know, the coaching the way the coaching mind works are we in how do we adjust you know they're going trips are we cross key in the backside safety are we going two man on third down things like that um but i tell you man what, what auburn what auburn means to me and, and my father was kurt crane um i was going to be nothing but an auburn fan uh you know I, I i think what makes auburn special is that and and you hear the term you know auburn fans love auburn not just auburn football there's, there's something, that's, it, and it's hard to explain. It's hard to put into words. And when you get paid to put things into words for a living, it's, you know, it's not a cop-out. But um, I, I remember the first word I ever said was fumble. It's the first word I ever said. Uh, I, I can remember sitting down in, the t- in front of the TV and, and watching the Auburn games, you know, with my father. Because my father coached until I was, you know, 10 years old and got out of it for a while and then got back in it. So... You know, my, my earliest memories are sitting down with him and, and watch, watching those games and seeing the emotion that he had. Like, it was like he was playing. Like, mm-hmm. it was – and I was like, oh, my, like – and that feeling that you would get when, when Auburn would, would come on and then you'd go to the games. I mean, it, it would 
you get emotional, almost bring you to tears. Mm-hmm. Like it just mm-hmm. because you're so involved in Auburn, it's, it's that connection. And, and people make fun of the word family and, and things like that. But I mean, it's I had my immediate family and then I had my father and my, no, I, I had my immediate family and then I, I had Auburn. Right. And, and it mm-hmm. felt it, it. You felt like you're a part of it. Like it, if Auburn lost back in, in school, it, it would ruin my week. Mm-hmm. Like it would legitimately mm-hmm. ruin my week. And you, you lived or died and you were happy or sad by how the team did, not just because you won or lost the game, but because you felt like you were judged on how the team that you rooted for you did. And you look at Alabama and growing up, you know, even in all the ton of Alabama fans, and they don't think we deserve to walk on the same side of the street as they do. But I like that though. I, 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 I like, cause I, when I grew up, I was growing up, we were kicking their ass. Like my dad used to talk about, man, what he used to tell me, you, you never know how good you have it. You never know how good you have it. Uh, I used to watch us get killed or whatever. And then when he went and played with coach dying, them, they started giving it back to him. And that's what, that's what he used to say all the time. They think they're better than we are as people. And that hits you different. Mm. I think, especially as a male that like, you're, you're always the underdog, but, but then you embrace that role and it makes you not afraid of them. And now when I'm looking at analyzing stuff, I don't, I'm not watching Alabama like, oh, I'm going to say this about them because I grew up an Auburn fan. No, I'll be the person to tell you. Nick Saban's a monster. And Alabama's an incredible place. So is Georgia. But first air I ever breathed, the first breath I ever took was the Auburn Opelika air. That's the first breath I ever took in my life. I remember waking up in the mornings, and we lived in 11 different places in Auburn, from Tampa Farms to on wire road to, but, but we lived kind of in the closer to the stadium. Um, when I was, when I was like nah, 13, 14 years old and, you know, and, and even a little bit younger than that, actually. And I just remember going out Saturday, I'd always wake up early, right? You think, Oh, a lot of kids sleep in on Saturday. Not me. I'm waking up early. I got to catch game day, you know, back when ESPN didn't suck. And, <laughs> and, uh, and like I'd go outside and I could hear the band. I could hear them and it just, you got going in the whole day. You're just, you're nervous, right? It's that nervous energy of, of waiting mm-hmm. to see them, waiting to see them, waiting to see them. And, you know, being associated and having my father that did that, that was one thing. And, and that's what connected me with Auburn. But my connection with Auburn was between me and Auburn. It wasn't between just me and my dad and Auburn, it was between me and Auburn. And I feel like a lot of people probably feel like that. That's what makes college football and football in general the greatest sport that there is. Because every Saturday, it's your way of life versus their way of life. And Auburn, you know, as a fan, is my way of life. Mm. Man, that's great oh, stuff, Jake. Heck, heck. That's real stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that. But, if, but if you're a fan of another school, I mean, I'm going to tell you, to you how it is either way. So, like, uh, it's like I said, you know, it's, it's not my job to tell you, you know, what's going to make you feel good. I'm going to tell you what mm. I think you need to know. Because again, if I was a chef for nine years, I'd probably have a pretty good chef podcast. <laughs> well, Jake, man, uh, let's uh, let's get you to plug your show, man, and and uh, let let our listeners know where they can find you uh, before we let you get out of here, man. Yeah, man. Well, uh, look, if you like uh, sports talk the way it kind of used to be, uh, we cover everything. But look, it's it's football mainly. Uh, we talk a ton of SEC college football in general. Uh, we have guests from all over the country. Uh, we got Tom Luganville on tomorrow, Tim Brando on Wednesday. Um, talk, talk a lot of recruiting as well. If you're into that, um, have coaches on a bunch. It's called Cranning company, C R A I N N company. Just go to YouTube. It's easy to find. We have a good time too. 
Um, started out as the J-Boy show and uh, ended up going with Colin Cowherd uh, in the volume for six months and was renegotiating that deal. And then uh, Ben Shapiro reached out to us at the Daily Wire and wanted us to be their sports show. And like, we're not over there talking about immigration or anything. <laughs> yeah. really the only political stuff we talk about. It's really not even political, men not being in women's sports. Like, that's, that's like looking both ways before you cross the road. To yeah, be it's common sense, isn't it, Jake? Yeah, that's just absolutely common sense. Um, but yeah, we're live each weekday morning, uh, 6.30 to 8 a.m. Central. We do live call-ins. We have a live chat. Uh, we do betting as well. Uh, so come hang out with us, man. It's a good time. And, um, you know, I, I coached for, played and coached for a long time. David Cohen, our other co-host, played at Michigan. Uh, he's from Georgia. He's from Statesboro. Don't let him fool you. Um, uh, <laughs> played at Michigan. My brother played at Western Colorado. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we, we know ball. We love to talk it. And uh, I think you'll enjoy it if you give it a chance. Love that, Jake. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us. Uh, it has been a heck of an episode uh, getting to hear Jake break down the Auburn Tigers. We're so ready for the football season to kick off. Uh, fall camp starting August 2nd. It is here, folks. And, yeah, uh, buddy. Ready so. to go. So uh, thank you all. We will see you all Friday morning, 10 a.m. on YouTube. Like always, we'll leave you with a war damn eagle, and we're out of here. <laughs>